But a new series that we're preaching on today, it's going to take us all the way into Palm Sunday, and uh, it's the roads to Jesus. And we're looking at this in the way we're trying to figure out the different roads that, that uh, we can follow and how that brings us to our relationship with Christ. Roads take us places. They take us all over the place. I remember as a youth pastor down in Salem at Labish Center, we were kind of a country church, and we had youth from like Silverton High School and South Salem and over on the west side, and we had a McNary High School and up in Jervis, Woodburn area. So I had to go different places, and I had to know how to get to them through the country, visiting their homes or going to the different schools. And I remember getting out the Thomas Brothers map and making sure I knew where I was going on that before the GPS stuff was going on. They were too expensive to have. But uh, those roads took me everywhere. And if I knew which road to take, I can get there just, just fine. Uh, as some of you know, the Bish Center area, there was some flooding going on at times during, during the winter and, and fall. So there are some roads that were out. And so we'd have, I'd have to take other detours around. But roads take us all over the place. When we did our, uh, our road trip to Texas to take Brianna down there to Southwestern, uh, that was a fun time being able to drive all the way through there and experience the different places like that. But to just think that if we just continued on, we could take roads all over the United States and get us to wherever we want to go. But we need to be aware of the road we're traveling on in life. Because if we're not careful, we'll end up somewhere we never intended to be. So in these first four weeks in this series, we're going to discover the aspects of becoming a follower of Jesus. We're going to look at the road of reality today uh, and face an honest evaluation of our sinful condition, where we're at. And so this, this message today might, be, might not be too encouraging, but there still is good news. Just wait till the end. There's some good news there. We'll also look at the road of sacrifice, where we'll discover the cost of God's love. We'll look at the road of life. And see the contrast between sin and salvation, and as it is a matter of life and death. We'll look at the road of salvation and uh, see the way to be saved and what that road looks like. And then the following four weeks after that, we'll then discover how to follow Jesus. What does that look like? And we'll look at the different roads of that. The road of relationship, where there's restoration and building with God and others in our relationship. We'll look at the road of instruction where the, you see the love of God and, and, and tell the, the next generation about Him. and What does that look like? We'll look at the road of trust and uh, where we'll be trusting God in the middle of our trials. Those are moments probably right now. You're thinking, could you just fast forward to that week? Because I want to know. Uh, we're going to look at the road of obedience then as well too in a final uh, time together of this, of this uh, series where we can walk in obedience no matter the trouble we face. So maybe those last two uh, moments together might be some really good ones for you. But today we're going to look at the road of reality. Have you ever, have you ever made a wrong decision while driving? <laughs> have you ever admitted it? <laughs> Did you ever admit it? Now, guys, probably not so much. Yeah, I knew where I was going. At, uh, it's a shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe women, you go, yeah, I always get lost. I don't know. It's, it's, and maybe I'm generalizing here. It's probably the other way around for some of you as well. But um, allow me to admit to all of you right now a wrong decision I made in driving. We were driving on, trying to get our kids to uh, a sporting event. They were in basketball. 
trying to get him over there uh, to Columbia Christian High School. And uh, we were coming from our house, so 205 north. And there are two exits. you got to be careful. If you take the one exit, um, the Gleason exit takes you over there, and there you got the, the you can go whatever direction. If you go further on, you can take the next exit that takes you on I-84 that takes you west all the way down. So you can do that. Well, I knew where Columbia Christian High School was. It's over there on 92nd and Gleason. It's just on the other side of I-205 over there, up north. And so we're almost getting there, and I took the exit. And as I took the exit, I realized, oh, we're going on (laughs) I-84. And the next exit is until way down by the hospital. So this, uh, this, this one-mile trip from where I was at the exit to begin with became an eight-mile trip. And I was just, oh, hit the steering wheel. I can't believe it. I'm so stupid. Oh, this should have turned. I know to turn. I've always been here, always taken that road. And GPS problems, you probably had those before as well. I've, I've heard of people having GPS problems. I'm going, what's the, what's the issue? You just point, pop, pop in the address and you go. It, it, that, it's not that hard. And follow the instructions where they go. Well, I now know how difficult it is. We were coming from, uh, uh, well, we, we were going to Emmy, our daughter-in-law, Emmy's uh, pinning ceremony for her nurse's graduation. <clears throat> and it was supposed to be a 15-minute drive from the restaurant there in Hazeldale in the Vancouver area, all the way over then to, uh, I think it's Clark Community College. And so that was going to be a 15-minute drive. Great, perfect. Pop in the address. Let's go. And we went on our way. I thought, this is kind of strange. And after about 10 minutes of driving and we still weren't there, I was thinking, oh, no. And we wound up way on the east side, almost into Camas. <laughs> but you'd think I'd go, wait a second, this isn't right. Oh, I'm trusting the GPS. It knows where it's going. So I'm all the way out there. I'm thinking, this is not right. And to top it off, I've got Becky's parents following us. <laughs> where is he going? Oh, I know where to go. I know the GPS. Everyone else has problems, but I don't. Well, I now know. <laughs> there can be issues. But uh, there were warnings of going the wrong way, and, and uh, they were all around me, not on the GPS. It was taking me to the address that I put in there. Um, but there were warnings all along the way, thinking this is just not right. We, by the way, did get to the ceremony on time, uh, just as they are walking on in and we were able to say, hi, Evie, how's it going? Good job. Let's sit down. <laughs> so there are warnings all around us. How do you typically respond to warnings? How do you typically respond to warnings? Like fire alarms. You kind of go, oh, no, freak out, run out of the... Or you go, ah, oh, just one of those again. Maybe flashing lights. How do you... Maybe those red and blue flashing lights. <laughs> how do you... How about that yellow traffic light just before red? <laughs> Maybe waving arms, maybe yelling. How do, you re, how do you typically respond to warnings? How do you determine if the threat is real? And if the threat is real, how does it change your actions? Sometimes when you've heard, <laughs> we, we have a neighbor that has their car alarm that goes off, I don't know how many times in the day, but uh, we're not there, I guess, during the day, but in the evening, we're, we hear it probably five four or five times in, in the evening, we're thinking, what is going on? It's just, the and it turns off. There's something going on there. But we hear it, and we're going, oh, there it goes again. 
not thinking that maybe someone might be getting into his car and stealing something. So after you've heard a warning over and over and over again, maybe we kind of get a little, I don't know, calloused to the, to the warnings, uh, hardened to the warnings. Maybe you recall the board game Life, where each player had a little plastic car to use on his or her road of life. Little, little pink or blue pegs sat in the car representing the driver and any added passengers. Some of you had a lot of kids in that game. You'd stack them on top. I remember we had a little pyramid going on with all the little kids. But uh, all the things, you, 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 it's a long series of decisions, such as whether to go to college or not, uh, what occupation, whether to get married, have children, buy insurance, buy or rent a home, all those things as you went on that uh, game board and through there. In many ways, the game life resembled real life with decisions having consequences that often determine later options. You make decisions in life, it gives you other options, maybe some un unintended consequences, but thankfully, in real life, we can decide to make a U-turn. And if we realize we are going the wrong direction or come to a dead end, we can do that. We can make that U-turn and go the other way. We see the warning in front of us. We realize something's not right, and we can take that U-turn in life. Before any change will happen, though, a person needs to come face-to-face -face with the reality of where this current road is headed. You need to know what's going on. You need to come to grips with what's happening on the road that you are traveling. And in God's Word, we find a clear spiritual reality check. People may hear God's warnings, but still refuse to accept their, their genuine spiritual need because they don't want to admit they're wrong, like the GPS or driving don't want to admit we're wrong. Now, today we need to discover that we are not as good as we think we are. Sorry, I'm here to tell you this. We're not as good as we think we are. As we travel on the road of life, we need to have a reality check. And this is not meant to be a downer to your day or to make you feel horrible about who you are, but it's to serve as a reminder to the reality of how we are not as perfect as we think we are. It is a reminder that the world we live in ignores the stark reality that we have messed it up with God. Now, it's vital that every person recognize their true condition if they're going to be helped. Have you ever, ever tried to help someone who didn't think they were in need of help? Try to go out, try to rescue someone who's drowning in the, in, in the water, and they're going, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm, I'm swimming here. You know? Or if you see someone who needs help, you try to help them, and they don't realize I'm doing all right. I don't need help at all. But you see danger. You see something down the road. You realize this is not going to end well if they don't get help. You can't help someone, though, if they don't realize the situation, the reality of it. When the Philippian jailer realized his condition, he asked, what must I do to be saved? And that is the question everyone will ask if, if and when they come to the understanding of today's text, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what I want to do today is examine that verse. We're going to examine this verse and see how it describes our condition. So, first of all, the first, well, first two words, for all, the word I want to focus on there is all. It's the inclusiveness of this verse, the inclusiveness of this. Identical twins have some interesting experiences. 
In fact, our daughter Brianna had a really interesting experience with identical twins at our school. Not talking about uh, students. They were parents. Actually, it was a parent, and then his brother came along. The funny thing about it, I think we were at, uh, if I remember right, it was a choir event. And, well, it was some event, a school event. It was track. Okay, Becky's helped me remember this. It was track. Here comes this father and his wife, who they're parents of uh, one of the guys on the track team. And here they're, they're there to watch. Well, she noticed that, and, you know, hi, and they said hi, and all those things. Then she noticed that the same guy was with another woman. And she was like, wait a second, what's going on here? And he was all cuddly with her and everything else. <laughs> she was just beside herself. What is going on? And we said, did you know they're, they're twins? And he goes, oh. So she, she figured it out later that, okay. And it's, it's hilarious because if you didn't know it, you're thinking, what's this guy doing? Anyway, twins... Twins can give some very interesting experiences sometimes, but they, they, they were different individuals, but as identical twins, they had, a, a, had much in common, and uh, you, you at times could not tell them apart at all. But even though we live in a world that tells us to be different and pushes us to be different, there are some things that humanity holds in common. One example is that we have all sinned. We have all failed. We are not perfect. Sorry for the news flash for some of you. If we were to make a list of words that describe a sinner, we might find these words that describe such a person. Poor, miserable, hardened, guilty, lost, wretched, worst, unrepentant, vile, wicked, unworthy, careless, notorious, unconverted, grievous, helpless, habitual, terrible, obstinate, dead, incorrigible, willful, just to name a few. If our list doesn't describe us, we might feel that all is well spiritually. We look at the list and we go, eh, I'm not spiritually needy, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. But now look at the first phrase of Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned. Are all of us in the group really lumped in the same category with all those sinners? The description of what that looked like? Most of us want to think that we are different. We're unique, we're special, and in some ways we are. But there's one way in which we are identical. The universal condition of the human race is obvious. There is no difference, for all have sinned. And the scriptures are very clear that no one born to Adam's race can claim any exception, for in, in Adam all die. So there's inclusiveness, all. There's also an indictment. Have sinned. Have sinned. It's usually not difficult to get someone to admit he or she is less than perfect. Nobody's perfect is our common excuse for bad behavior. <laughs> it's easy to admit that I made a mistake. Um, the phrase, I was wrong, may be a little more difficult, but it can be admitted. Even the fawns on happy days was able to say it. A little difficulty. Even the phrase, I have sinned, may be acknowledged, but usually, usually with a reminder or at the very end, well, everybody does it. Everybody does it. Now, this verse makes it clear that although sin is a universal problem, it's a matter of personal responsibility. It depends upon you. What are you going to do about this? Yeah, sure, everybody does it. 
What about you? Your choice. You've seen it happen on TV or maybe even experienced it. Two young kids playing together, having some fun, and all of a sudden, while they're playing, they break something. It's something very valuable, important. Doesn't matter what it is, but it comes crashing down, and a parent of one of the kids comes by and asks, what happened? Who broke it? And the response usually is, well, it wasn't me. And they point to each other, or I don't know. I was an only kid. I did not have that opportunity. <laughs> I couldn't blame it on anybody else. I could use I don't know quite often. We are so quick to play the blame game or give an excuse. <laughs> no, 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 no. Remember what we talked about <laughs> back on the paper walls, right? We should know better after learning about all that in the month of January, making excuses. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Jesus also mentioned in Luke chapter 13, verses 4 and 5, about a story. He said, those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. We all have sinned. And it's a sin that we need to take care of personally. We don't need to take care of someone else's sin. They deal with that with God. We deal with it with God. It's a personal thing. And the thing all about this is that death is the common denominator for everyone, and only repentance can bring life as people prepare to enter the kingdom. We need to deal with those things. We need to prepare ourselves to enter into the kingdom. So there's the, the inclusiveness, the all, and there's the indictment, have sinned. And then there's the insufficiency of this, in this verse, and fall short of the glory of God. Falling short. Falling short. In athletics, my team, Miami Dolphins, fell short. They were playing the Buffalo Bills in playoffs. They had no reason to even come close in winning or even playing close to the Buffalo Bills. They lost 34-31. to 31. Oh, so close. And it was a missed field goal at the very end. So close. So close. In track, high jumpers... They try to get over that bar. If they don't make it, they don't qualify for the next round. They fall short. Long jumpers, same thing. Trying to get that distance. They don't get it. They fall short. In business, deadlines are missed. Failed customer service happens. Maybe there's not enough supply to meet the demand that's out there. In business, you can fall short. In relationships, you can fall short. Unmet expectations. Unkept promises. We can fall short in relationships. And in this case, falling short is not simply missing out on the prize, but also experiencing tremendous loss. Tremendous loss. And you look at the glory of God, all fall short of the glory of God. What does the glory of God mean? And we can start by making a list describing God's nature and actions to help us figure that out. God's nature, transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, omnibenevolent, 
eternal, personal, perfect, truth, love, creator, God, unchanging, forgiving, powerful, merciful, life, holy, compassionate, gracious, faithful, all those things and more. We don't have enough room on the overhead to be able to show you that. All these things are the nature of God. If you want to know more about that, I encourage you to read up on the author, A.W. Tozer. He gives some great books about, um, about who God is and what God does. He loves. He forgives. He judges. He sacrifices. He serves. He saves. That's just a small list of all that He does. I'm sure you can add to that especially with your experience that you've had in your relationship with God. But no matter how long our list, it's only a beginning of all that is included in God's glory. And the list is only the beginning of how we fall short of that, His nature, His actions. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. So since God formed male and female to be divine image bearers, the logical expectation for their nature and actions would be to emulate God's nature and actions. That's the expectation. But human nature and actions fall far, far short of God's glorious perfection in every way. Even our best attempts fall short according to Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So if all our righteous acts are even repulsive to God, is there anyone who can escape being one of the all who have sinned? We not only fall short of God's glory in our nature and actions, but also by failing to fulfill God's purpose for us. Westminster Short Catechism sums it up like this. It says, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that's God's purpose for us, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 records some of Scripture's saddest words. They glorified Him not as God. So, how can we glorify God as God, and how is it different from glorifying God with just our actions? I think we can find the answer in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. Familiar portion of Scripture you've probably read over before, but it helps us see how we can give God glory. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Two great commandments. Love God, love others. Two great commandments are too enormous for us to reach in our own ability. Try to do it in our own strength, we're going to fail. We fall short of obeying just two commands. <laughs> love God, love others. We must recognize that sin prevents us from reflecting the glory of God. When there's sin in our lives, then that is not, we're not able to shine that glory to other people. We have dim reflectors, if you will. The psalmist said, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
The human family was the crowning glory of the work of creation. But God put his own image on no other part of creation but man. You will never realize the full potential of your life until the problem of sin has been recognized, has been confessed, and has been forgiven. Our greatest efforts and our best accomplishments are still far short of God's glory. We cannot do it on our own. So this is the road of reality. But not all of us are on it. We find ourselves on other roads. You might find yourself on the road of self-deception. In Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, Luke recalls the parable Jesus told of two men who went to the temple to pray. There was a Pharisee and there was a tax collector. And, you know, tax collectors were notorious cheats and robbers. Just think of Zacchaeus. But he turned his life around, of course, following Jesus. But the Pharisee prayed in self-righteous pride. In verse 11, he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, those robbers, those evildoers, those adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He bragged about his righteousness. And the other man would not even look up to heaven, but pounded his chest and he cried, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus stated that this tax collector went home justified. And you might ask, why? Why would something like that happen? Because it's necessary for people to humble themselves before God to gain forgiveness. Those, those who, who are proud will be humbled by God. If you're too proud to see the situation you're in, you're not going to bow down to a God that offers salvation for you. You're not going to give in to God's will in your life and allow Him to take control. You're going to run it yourself because of the pride in your life. Jesus told this parable to those who were confident of their own righteousness, those who looked down on everybody else. These people have missed the road of reality and are traveling on the road of self-deception. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 reminds us, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And then we have people telling us to just trust your hearts. Follow your hearts. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Has self-deception kept you from facing your personal spiritual need? Been traveling down that road a little bit? Let me give you some advice. Get off that road. <laughs> Get off the road of self-deception and take, take the on-ramp to the road of reality. <laughs> Get real with your, yourself and realize where you do stand before God. Well, maybe you're on maybe the road of apathy. And some people may flippantly say, I know I'm a sinner, just don't care. It doesn't bother me. I have fun. I don't have to do things or not do things because you know, someone tells me I can't. And they may admit it, but they don't see the need to change directions. In Paul's second letter to the, the church in Corinth, 
he identified a similar problem. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And he said, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is a temporary reaction to bad behavior. <laughs> it may be a strong feeling, but it often arises more out of an embarrassment or fear than a true awareness of sin. And the worldly version of sorrow often fades before any real change happens, leading a person right back into the old habits again. If you can think uh, someone in your mind about think Judas. <laughs> Judas Iscariot. The sorrow he had after he betrayed Jesus. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow? Godly sorrow goes deeper, leads to conviction in the Spirit. It causes a person to realize that what he or she does matters greatly to God, and in this case, has hurt Him. By humbly admitting their wrongs, they draw closer to the Lord, and there they find strength to, to make lasting changes. And if you want to get someone in mind about that, think of Peter and his remorse after his denial of Jesus, where he wept bitterly. Which sorrow have you experienced? Which sorrow have you experienced? You see, the road of apathy is really is paved with worldly sorrow. <laughs> we need to find the exit now and get on the road of reality if you're on that road of apathy. So has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you about your need? If so, what's your response to realizing your personal spiritual need? Kind of used to the road of apathy a little bit? Maybe the self-deception road? <laughs> Kick it on down way. I don't need to deal with it right now. I'm good. I'll, I'll take care of it later. <laughs> That's a dangerous phrase, especially when it comes to your spiritual life. Because you don't, you're, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed next week. You're not guaranteed your next breath, folks. But what's your response to realizing your personal spiritual need? <clears throat> Blinded by deceit? Willfully doing wrong? Having worldly sorrow? Or having godly sorrow? And the real question that we need to answer, what will you do now? There goes Pastor Jim. He presented all these things. Now he presented God's Word, and here we go with the message. And now he asked me, what am I going to do? Boy. And you should ask yourself that question each time. Each time we come to the end of a message, we come to the end of a service, what are you going to do about it? And that would be my question to you all the time. What will you do now? God's reality check is this. From God's perspective, we are all sinners and fall short of God's glory. We are all spiritually needy. And God grieves our condition and longs to see us on the road to Jesus. As Confucius reportedly said, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The first step on the road to eternal life, the road to Jesus, begins with the small yet giant step of accepting personal responsibility for sin and getting on that road 
to reality. Realizing and admitting our spiritual need prepares us to receive God's provision of forgiveness. And you can take that first step toward God today. You can get on the road of reality and acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Call upon God. Receive His forgiveness. As the Bible tells us, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He doesn't come to condemn. He comes to seek and save those who are lost. So, what will you do now? As you find yourself on the road of reality, realizing, oh, wow, yeah, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. The good news, you've got one. He calls your name. He wants that relationship with you. And all it takes is a prayer. You're just a prayer away receiving Him as Savior, agreeing with Him that, yes, you are a sinner, yes, that He has provided a way to escape that penalty of sin, which is death, and we can be provided that way into heaven. Not only that, but then we can also hear now, these days, embrace the kingdom of God and live it out for those around us. What will you do now? Worship team's going to come on up. They're going to lead us in a couple songs. As I do, let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would continue to be with us right now. Lord, um, <clears throat> I pray for that one person that might be answering that question, what, what do I do now? Well, Lord, uh, pray that you impress on that person's heart. Next step is... Spend some time in prayer. And if there's anyone who does need to do that, does need to come forward and pray at the altar, altars are open, you can come and pray, spend time with God there. You can spend time with God right where you're at as well. Lord, I ask that you would meet each person where they're at right now. And Holy Spirit, if you'd just please tap on their shoulder, giving them assurance, yes, good job, keep on going. There are some things to work on here, let me help you. Or maybe as they tap on the shoulder saying, yeah, you've heard what went on in the message right now. There's some stuff that needs to be taken care of. Let me do that. I pray, Lord, that we would be in agreement with what you have for us today and that we would say yes to what you have for us. If someone here is praying a prayer of salvation online, joining us, I pray, Lord, that you'd bring full assurance in their life that you are God that saves and you have come into their life, you have wiped away the sin in their life, and you have become their Savior. And Lord, I pray that they would walk in your steps now. For those who are praying today that, that they are a follower of Christ, maybe there's some things that have tripped them up, some obstacles in the way, <clears throat> and they've just kind of gone off the, the road to Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you'd help them also to have assurance that your presence is with them, guiding them and realize, helping them realize that you're a God that loves them and is a God of second chances, third chances, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. You offer grace. Help us, Lord, to live in that. Help us, Lord, to receive that. That we can come back to you 
place you as, as Lord of our lives. So, Lord, whatever we take time now to do and pray, and I pray, Lord, that we would act in obedience to what you have for us today. And as we sing these songs, Lord, I pray that you again would just continue to minister to our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.